0: hey chicago fire fans welcome back to feed the fire a chicago fire podcast i'm your host nick we are in episode 47 and we are talking about the fires game against club america in leagues cup A game in which the fire reverted back to old habits, not having much offense, scrapping by on defense, and ultimately falling late in the game. We're also going to look at some of the transfers that have taken place around the league this week, focusing on the Western Conference transfers. Since we talked a lot about the Eastern Conference transfers in prior episodes, so make sure you go back and check those out. We're going to remind you that the show is brought to you by Skira, Icelandic Spring Water, We're going to ask you to share the show, the link with your friends, with your followers, and let's continue to grow the conversation around Major League Soccer and around the sport of soccer here in America. And without further ado, let's get to the Chicago Fires match. So let's start with the lineups because a lot of people kind of scratch their heads at this lineup. This is a big game. This is a chance the fire can go on a run in a tournament Against some premier competition here, and the defensive back line left people a little hesitant as to how well they would perform. We had Chris Brady in goal, and he came up big yet again. Center backs were Mauricio Pineda, starting in place of Rafael Chijos, and Carlos Turan. So Frank Klopas, the interim manager for the fire, said they just needed to get Chihos a little rest, rotate his legs, save his legs a little bit. Um, And I expected to see him maybe in the second half, depending on how the game was going. But the game was being played in a way where they didn't need him to come in and shore up the back line. And he ended up getting a much deserved break, though I wish we would have gotten a result out of it. Maybe had he been in there for one of those set pieces. Oh, goodness. Here we go. Talking about a center back helping out the offense. Anyway. Your wingbacks, you had Miguel Navarro and Jonathan Dean. And I think Jonathan Dean is where a lot of people were kind of scratching their heads going, why is he starting in a game against Club America? A guy who was playing in the USL a year ago, a guy who was playing in college in 2020, 2019. And now here he is starting against arguably the biggest club on the continent. But you know what? I think that is because people are looking at Jonathan Dean as he's, he's supposed to be this fix for all things wingback. And you need to change your expectations. And I had the great conversation on Twitter uh, with another soccer fan about Jonathan Dean. And his whole point is, Jonathan Dean is not good enough to play at a major league soccer level. And while I don't necessarily disagree with that, the way I look at Jonathan Dean is that he was a safe signing. He is a stopgap signing. The fire needed a wingback. Jonathan Dean, hardworking, knows the job, isn't prone to mistakes, he was a safe signing, so don't expect him to be the guy who's going to score three or four goals, chip in four or five assists, make some spectacular plays, because that's not the role that he is playing on the Chicago Fire team. He is there to just kind of take up some minutes, give those spot starts, uh, get those spot starts, give a break to either Navarro or Suquet, and really Aceves was supposed to kind of be that guy, and he has not shown it. So Jonathan Dean was supposed to be more of a depth piece for the fire, but has been called into starting duty to give Sukay a rest and because the Seves is not performing as he was projected to. So let's stop the hate on Jonathan Dean. He was the right signing for the Chicago Fire to have a solid, competent outside back as kind of their third or fourth option at outside back, and it's not his fault that he has to be the one who's got to start. And really, I don't think he had that terrible of a rating, that terrible of a performance in this Club America game. Yes, there are still things he's got to work on. And yes, whenever the fire are, gosh, hopefully sooner rather than later, poised to make a run at a trophy, I would not expect Jonathan Dean to be starting or be your second or third option, or maybe not even on the roster at all. Hopefully you can develop Uh, some young players, and hopefully maybe you can sign a better outside back, depending on how the future coaching staff wants to play, if they want to use wing backs, or if they want to use a different system. But we need to stop the hate on Jonathan Dean. He's doing a great job for what the Chicago Fire are asking him to do. Also, we got to point out Miguel Navarro with another silly yellow card. Fortunately, it didn't come back to bite him and and ended up getting a red. Uh, He was just playing Pretty well then with that one yellow card and even pushing forward and getting into the attack. So I think Navarro, again, another serviceable game for him. We saw our defensive mids, Dumbia starting and Gaston Jimenez starting. I guess you can't really pick anything apart there, especially with Pineda dropping back to start in the center back role. You want to see Dumbia. He's your new signing. He's supposed to be there to shore things up. Gaston Jimenez, especially, uh, I would say maybe with his experience playing throughout South America, he might be a little better suited for some of these games against uh, liga mX teams, um but as we saw, it was his costly error on the on his own goal that kind of set the team apart from at least a scoring standpoint, looking at our attacking midfielders, you had Jairo Torres on the right wing, Shakiri centrally and Gutierrez on the left wing, and that allowed Yodogocuutis to start up top as your striker. I'm actually really happy with this these attacking four that they had out on the field with Shakiri playing centrally Gutierrez on the wing because those two have shown an ability to kind of overlap and and work together as well as kind of flow and take up space cover for each other. But what we're not going to get from those guys right now is any of that counter-pressing is any of that um, high energy, you know, defensive getting back, helping out kind of a thing, but that's why you brought in Dumbia. So these guys needed to be doing more in the attack and they were not. Um, they're not being asked to do the defensive things, uh, that a lot of other teams who press or counter press or who have a a midfield focused team do, but they could not get their offense going. They could not connect with each other, with their teammates. They could not build possession. And that first half looked like an offense defense drill for club America. And then you had Jairo Torres, who I thought would be up for this game. We saw him kind of have a, a better game Uh, against Puebla in the group stage. Maybe it's because he wanted to really show himself against Liga MX clubs, or maybe he finally realized that he's underperforming and the fans are turning on him. I think I saw someone put on Twitter that Jairo Torres has more uh, selfies and public appearances around Chicago than he does assists and goals or actual meaningful contributions. So he knows the pressure's on and he did not meet expectations. I mean, if you want to look at this starting lineup, from now to next season, it's possible that you've got four guys who aren't going to be here. Um, looking at Dean, Navarro, Dumbia, and Torres, right? Possibly Navarro. I, I know a lot of people love him, but um, we'll have to look at his his salary and all that sort of thing. I don't want to get into that discussion today. Also, I was really happy to see Yorgos Kutsias up front getting the start. The guy runs. The guy works hard. The guy can use that effort to create some things as he develops his technical striking ability. And this was another conversation uh, that was had generally about the strikers. Where was Kai Kamara? Kai Kamara wasn't even on the active roster for the day. I don't know if he picked up a knock or if he just needed some time off. And I I think that I'm leaning towards the latter resting Chihos, resting Kamara, resting your two older guys uh, in order to make a push for the playoffs in the second half of the season or maintain your playoff spot. So I'm really glad we got to see Kutzius starting up front. I would have liked to see him get a a lot more involved. Obviously, score a goal, have an assist, create a key passer opportunity, something. But the Chicago Fire's offense just wasn't there. And I think part of that is the Fire came out timid. They were intimidated by Club America they were intimidated by the atmosphere. I think it was like 70% of the crowd or something was wearing club America jerseys and chanting and supporting. And then at the end of the game, you just saw the the low class from a lot of those league MX fans throwing trash at Chicago fire players. We're not going to get into all that. You can watch the replays. You can go and, and read all of the, the comments online about it, but just it's never okay to throw stuff on the field or especially against the player, right? So we we kind of saw that intimidating atmosphere, and the fire came out timid. I expected the fire in the second half to really come out with a little bit more confidence, and for moments, they did. But again, they could never get that offense going. It could never have any sort of sustained offensive momentum. Same problem that they have had throughout the last several years creating any sort of opportunity. And then the one just gorgeous sitter of an opportunity, we see Shabilko, who would come in for Kutzias, miss the open, just completely miss the open net. And a goal like that, or I should say a miss like that, shows me that Shabilko's head is not in it. And really, the more you watch him play, and, and the way he has played since a few weeks back when he put out that post on Instagram that, well, you need to go someplace that you're wanted. And then Klopas benched him for a game, didn't even have him available. Then he came back, scored a goal. You would think, okay, he's just going through the motions at this point. And really, that's what I noticed with his play. He's playing very lazy. He's going through the motions. He's not putting in the extra effort on the pitch. And he's just kind of playing out his contract at this point. And it is doing a complete disservice to this team. Again, you can also add in the fact that nobody knows how to play with two strikers on this club, Um, but regardless, Shibilko, I think, is just mailing it in at this point. Now, let's take a look at some of the statistics here. Was it as bad as it looked? And and yes, the the answer is yes. Club America ended up with 63% possession. The Chicago Fire had five shots, none on goal, as opposed to Club America's 14 shots and three on goal. Um, The fire did not block any shots, so their defensive shape was completely not there. Only 396 passes at an 81% passing accuracy. So, again, the majority of their passes were in the defensive half of the field. Nothing generating up front. Two corners, seven crosses, no offside. So, again, no Offense, no threats downfield, no winning, getting balls into the corner, winning corner kicks, as we have seen Suquet do, Navarro do, Gutierrez do, as we've seen all these guys do, Kuzius, none of that was happening in this game. To their credit, they won 65 duels to Club America's 28, but when you don't have the ball, that's all you have to be doing, and so they at least had a good defensive showing. They did not allow Club America to score early and then have this turn into a blowout or a rout. They were actually playing good one-on-one defense here, even though their shape may have been a little spotty at times. uh, They were not getting into shooting and passing lanes, but their one-on-one play, that is the highlight of this match at the very least. Four yellow cards, though, for the fire, uh, as opposed to one for Club America, and Club America getting that red. Um, If we look at the shooting chart, man, Club America was just peppering them throughout. Now let's take a look also at the XG. let's take a look at the expected goals. oh man guys don't even don't even go on the mls soccer.com and look up the possession intervals because it is not uh, it is not not pleasant. the Chicago Fire did not win one five minute interval of possession uh, in the entire first half and in fact only had uh, the majority of possession in a five minute interval one, two, three, four times. Or time. So maybe about 20 minutes of that game, did they actually have um, the majority of the possession? I'm looking for the XG. It doesn't show it here on uh, MLSsoccer.com's website, but I imagine when you don't have any shots on goal, you are not going to have a very high XG. And I think I remember, I do remember seeing at halftime, the Chicago Fire's expected goals was 0.03. That means that of all the offensive opportunities they had in that first half, 3% likelihood that they were going to score a goal. Um, So again, the same issues plaguing the Chicago Fire. You have these moments where they can come out and they can beat Minnesota, where they can beat Puebla, where they can have these flashes, or they can, if you look back earlier on in the season, when they were scoring three goals, even though they were allowing three goals also in some of those (laughs) matches – but this is who the Fire are. This is who the Fire are. Desperate defending and a complete lack of offense. Now, let's wrap up this League's Cup. We'll take a quick look at the bracket and see what could have been for the Fire. Because had they beat Club America somehow, they would have gone on to play Nashville. Had they won that game, they'd take on the winner of Toluca and Minnesota. And again, I doubt they would have beaten Nashville. And I doubt they would have beaten Toluca Minnesota or Minnesota in another one of those or Minnesota, another one of those matchups. Right. Um, But again, it's not like it was the most difficult path for them. They could have made a run, but it seemed like they were looking more towards the regular season, resting up some of their legs and really not having much of a tactical plan. Uh, It seemed like they took it easy this week and they were just kind of, Hey, maybe they didn't, do the U S open cup thing where they're just playing second stringers, Academy kids and bench players, but they definitely did not take it seriously uh, from a training and tactical approach. Now in, in that region of the bracket, like I said, you have Toluca and Minnesota playing each other club, America, Nashville. If you want to look at the top left of the bracket here, this should be a, a great game, LAFC and RSL. Uh, are in one quarter, or I'm sorry, or one round of 16, and then Tigres and Monterey in another round of 16. That is a wild matchup. I'm sure that Liga MX and their people are like, how did this happen? How did two of our best teams end up playing each other in the round of 16? Um, so it, I mean, that's really lucky for LAFC or RSL or, or for anyone else on that half of the bracket from an MLS perspective that you got Tigres and Monterey knocking each other out, knocking one of each other out uh, to get into the quarterfinals there. Now we flip to the other side of the bracket. You've got Philly taken on Red Bulls. And then you have Carretero who advanced on PKs against New England to be the uh, third team in the quarterfinals already. And if we're going to go to the bottom right of the bracket, Dallas and Miami. Do I need to talk about this? It's it's the messy show. It's messy league soccer. It's just pick your pun, pick your fun thing for it. Because messy... He's doing it right. And he he's scoring goals. He's having this much fun. And, and a thought I had, we've seen a lot of comments online and in the media about how Messi is exposing just how bad major league soccer defenses are that he has come in, in leagues cup, and he has been able to score six, seven goals in like three, four games or something like that. Trying to remember where those penalties fall in there, but anyway, I'm going to look at it from another perspective. I think Messi is just showing how bad MLS offenses are. If he can walk in and just bang in all these goals, what the hell are the other strikers have been doing all season, right? Like it's even more of an indictment against the Chicago fire who have played a lot of these teams too, who can't score goals against Atlanta or Dallas or anyone else, right? Like the, for the Chicago fire and the rest of the league, they need to look at Messi and and, and then look back at themselves and say, wow, Our offenses are terrible. Yes, Messi is the greatest of all time. But our offenses are terrible that they can't, as a team, be scoring one, two, three goals a game. Here, it's like Busquets and Messi and Taylor who are contributing all these goals. And Joseph Martinez getting involved as well on occasion. Like, it's kind of a ridiculous indictment against how bad MLS offenses are if you want to also make the argument that he's exposing MLS defenses. Um, and that uh, that's my take on that. It, it, it's kind of upsetting. And we've seen it from other high-profile players, right? This is the, the, the mode of operation here. You buy offense. We've seen Joseph Martinez back in his Atlanta days as a DP come in and set uh, scoring records. We saw Carlos Vela come in and set scoring records. We've got Leo Messi doing it now. Like This is kind of what happens. And it's an indictment against the rest of the strikers in this league that they can't do it either. All right, so from here on out, like I said, I'm recording this on August 8th, and we've got a whole bunch of games today. Um, Make sure you tune in. Make sure you check it out because they are exciting matchups, people. Exciting matchups. And with that, we're going to take our halftime break here on the show. I'm going to introduce to you our good friend and featured guest, John Donovan. He's going to give you all his takes on this Club America Chicago Fire match. And John's segment is brought to you by Skira Icelandic Spring Water. Skira Icelandic spring water comes from a government-protected nature preserve in Iceland. Clearly, pun intended there, this is some of the best water that you're going to find. It is available at your local 7-Eleven, so make sure you go pick up a bottle, two or three of that. Especially as summer is winding down, you get your last days outside or by the pool, make sure you got a bottle of Skira with you. Stay hydrated. And with that, we'll take a short break on YouTube and for our podcast... Take it away, John.
1: Nick, John Donovan here talking about the Chicago Fire and the Leagues Cup, which I hate to see leave Chicago. Nick, I have enjoyed the Leagues Cup. It's uh, It's been a wonderful week of great games, great play. It shows that the MLS really has caught up to the Mexican League, I believe. But Saturday night was a very unusual game. I thought that uh, Klopas played a very tricky game. Uh, but to, before I get started, I'd like to say that the way that the game ended was an absolute disgrace for the Mexican community and the Mexican soccer community. Mexican soccer has a history of extreme violence. I mean, last year, two years ago, 17 people were killed in a game, and the league didn't even postpone their league for one game. It uh, What happened Saturday night at the end of the game, I thought just should not be ever tolerated in American uh, soccer. Club America should be banned from playing in the United States for five years. Um, there was an incredibly wonderful competitive situation between Quinones and Carlos Tehran the whole game. It's one of the hardest games I believe Tehran has ever played. He was the stud in the back. But at the end of the game that the Fire unfortunately lost on a one nothing old gold uh, score, the fans, the Americas fans, decided to throw cups of beer at Tehran at the end of the game. And that just should not be tolerated in the U.S. That club should be canceled from the uh, competition and sent back to Mexico. And I said... Be fine not playing in the United States for five years, absolute disgrace. But the game was exciting. Uh, Klopas opened up the game with a very interesting starting lineup. I um, he started up with Torres up front, um, and our Greek forward uh, Kyotsis up front with him. But it just didn't work. It uh, but they didn't score. I mean, there was a score, but it was pulled back from an offside, which I believe was an offsides play. I know there's a lot of controversy about it, but I believe that the league did the right thing in pulling that score off. It surprised me at halftime when they opened up at 0-0, and Klopas made a very sharp move. He put uh, Selassie in as the right wing, and Selassie is, he is fast. He's what we need on this team. If we only had Mueller still on the left side, we'd really have a complete squad. But Torres didn't do much during the game. For our DP, he just, he's not there. I, I think he was on a two-year deal. I hope they decide to send him back to Mexico. He had a couple of opportunities. But, you know, basics in the game, trapping, passing, he did not have a good in the game, and it just didn't, uh, it didn't look good. Jimenez, I thought, played all right, but ended up with a with the own goal that killed the team. Brady had a tremendous game. He just played well. Tehran played well. Um, you know, even uh, uh, Shakiri, I thought, really was the man in the middle. He played well. He just didn't have people to match up with until Selassie got in the game. So the game was 0-0 going into the second half of the game, and Selassie made an incredible move up the right side, stole the the ball from the Americas player, brought it down, and put in an incredible cross. And uh, Klopas had made a change in the second half. He put in old Casper. Casper had a wide open goal. And, and get this, fans, he's paid $1 million a year. And he blew it. He absolutely, a professional, should have been able to put this in blind. And the ball went wide. And I, it almost took the sale out of the team. They would have been up one nothing, and who knows what would have happened in the game. Americas um, had more talent, but I thought that Clopas more or less uh, played fairly well. He coached fairly well in this game with less talent. He remained. He had the. He still had a chance at the end of the game to to tie it up, but it just didn't happen. So, um, you know, the Fire played well. They did well in this League Cup. I love the League's Cup. I think it's the future of soccer in the United States, but we cannot have the violence and the foolishness and whatever else comes with Mexican soccer in this country. It's, you know, if they want to do that stuff where they can't play World Cup games with anybody in the stands, where they throw urine at players, where they throw beer at guys at the end of the game, it's a disgrace to the game and the league, and they should not be allowed in the United States. But, um, you know, the fire had their chance in this game. Selassie played well. Um, You know, the whole team, Pineda played well. Tehran played well. It was a really a war out there. It was a one-on-one battle. You know, unfortunately, guys like Torres didn't come through. Um, You know, I thought Miguel Navarro. I, I just don't get why Klopas starts him. He's always on the edge of a red card. He got a stupid yellow card and then almost a red card later in the game. Um, You know, you have better players that can play that position and don't have the extreme attitude that Navarro, he's a a risk every time you put him out there on the field. So um, that's it for the League's Cup. We'll look forward to the rest of the season. If the fire can come out and play as hard as they did and Klopas can kind of stick this team together. They might make the playoffs. You never know. They won, what, five of their last six games um, going into the League's Cup, and they played well in these in this tournament. But Klopas uh, has the history of bombing out towards the end of the season, so hopefully we can hold this team t- together. Um, you know, the, the other thing I have to say, that uh, quote DP, the gentleman that came over from – Switzerland uh, the 31 year old I believe he's Swiss or African he did not have a good game I mean he's slow he's very unresponsive he was walking a couple of times right on the top of our box in defensive situations and he played quite a bit so you know I was really glad and this is not normal to see Federico Navarro come into the game because he runs hard he plays hard he's a he's a a risk of a card, but he's better than this uh this last DP they brought over from Switzerland. I don't can't remember his name, Dominique or something, but he just he's not an addition to the team, he's a subtraction to the team. So um that's it for the for tonight. I'm looking forward to the rest of the season. Uh Nick, Mike, I hope you're listening. Have a good night. We'll see you in a couple of, well in about a week or so. Bye.
0: John, thanks again for all your insight and for covering the Chicago Fire for us, giving us your recaps, replays, and your honest opinions as well. We appreciate it. Now, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, let's take a look at some of the transfers around the league. There's a lot of movement that has been going on within and out of Major League Soccer. So I want to try and highlight a few of maybe some of the bigger names or bigger moves uh, that have taken place. And we're going to start with a little focus on the Western Conference here, with Dallas signing Canadian midfielder Liam Frazier. Now, he comes over from Deinsa. I am not pronouncing that right. kmsk Deinsa, uh in the Belgian second division. Um, but having a player like this who uh, was part of Canada's 2022 FIFA World Cup roster and their 2023 Gold Cup roster brings some experience. And I think he's going to be a lot more comfortable playing here in MLS playing quote unquote at home. And so this is an excellent move by a team from Dallas who needs to shore up their defense. We know what their offense can do. And we saw what their defense did against Miami and leagues cup here, giving up four goals. So this is a solid move by Dallas signing solid defense. It's a sign that you're getting ready for a trophy war on. Now, speaking of Canada, uh, Sam Atakube, Canadian international defender. Sam Atakube returns to Vancouver Whitecaps. He was a homegrown for them. Most recently spent time in Turkey with uh, Club Hatay uh, Again, not pronouncing that right. I'm really happy to see Sam Atakube back in MLS again, playing at home, so to speak. Um, I really like players coming, getting out of the Turkish league. Um, I am not very very sold on the Turkish league. It's like a lot of the European leagues where there's maybe three or four teams at the top and then just everyone else. Right. And I still don't think those Turkish teams who are at the top of the table, um, a Fenerbahce, a Hayspor, um, trying to think, I'm trying to think of the others, uh, but I really don't even think that they can compare to a lot of the other European clubs who, you know, Portugal, Netherlands, uh, Denmark, Belgium. So to see a player like that come to, MLS again, to come back to MLS, I think it's a great sign. I think it'll help him uh, in his career as well. He is 28 years old, so I don't know if there's much more development that he's going to have, but to be continue to be playing on a bigger scale for Canada and maybe being utilized. We've often seen players in Turkey not be utilized to their potential not get the best treatment, so I'm happy Etikube is back. And also, speaking of Vancouver, Richie lorea transfers from Nottingham Forest to Vancouver White caps, And so we've seen Richie Larea in England. We've seen him in Canada. We've seen him in MLS. And now we're going to continue to see him again. He hasn't really gotten consistent minutes and consistent starts with Nottingham Forest. So it's great to see him uh, come into a league where he's going to be playing weekend and week out and then continue to help. And at 28 years old, you know, he's got the experience too, and continue to help this team make a push for the playoffs and again, get some kind of hometown uh, minutes here and continue to be in the mix for the Canadian national team. This signing is the one that stood out to me. San Jose Earthquakes sign Matthew Hoppy. That's right, USMNT forward Matthew Hoppy is now in San Jose. And I don't want to get all too excited and say things like, "Oh my gosh, USMNT players are coming coming to MLS. This is wonderful." Uh, I don't want to don't want to get there yet because we've always had. USMNT players here in MLS, though not, not maybe your, your best or your top starting 11, but there's always been a few, right? Mostly on the defensive side. So this is unique. Then you have a USMNT striker who is now coming back to MLS. Um, but Hoppy is, is only 22 years old. He's been playing over in Germany, but uh, or he started off in Germany, um, also spent time in Spain with Mallorca, Scotland, Hibernian, and with Middlesbrough in England. But now I think he, instead of having to fight for those minutes and and really where there's a lot of attacking talent in those teams. Now he'll be able to really come in and support the San Jose attack. This is going to be an excellent move for San Jose. It is San Jose again, shoring up some attack for this playoff push. So that way they can bring in some different, uh, different looks, have a more dynamic attack and hopefully keep opposing defenses on their uh, on their back heels. Now this is in addition to San Jose signing Io Akinola, formerly of TFC, another striker. And we'll see, I, I would imagine Hoppe would get the start over Akinola, um, just given both of their kind of reputation and experience and, and Akinola, depending if he's even fit, he's battled with a lot of injuries lately. I would give Hoppe the start But this is an excellent offensive signing for the Quakes. And, you know, I don't know, Quakes fans, I haven't seen any of the numbers on this one as far as dollars go, but uh is this a sign of the Quakes organization trying to open up the pocketbooks? Okay, maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves with that one. All right, sticking in California, LAFC transfer out Jose Cifuentes to Rangers. This is an, a really interesting move um, to move the 24-year-old to a club in Europe. Um again I, I'm looking at the transfer recap here on MLSsoccer.com. They don't have any figures on the transfer yet, but I can I can only imagine that LAFC, this is kind of part of their continuing I don't want to say roster evolution, but we have seen from LAFC the ability to continue to move players on, bring in new players, and and keep that same level of play and expectation. So um, given their history, I got a default that they know what they're doing. And as much as we've loved watching Sifu play in MLS over the last three years, um, all the best to him at Rangers. I mean, again, he's only 24. If he has a great year or two at Rangers, maybe he ends up in a big five league. I don't know. I don't want to get ahead of myself on that one either. Uh, but I think this is a great move. It's a good bit of business uh, for LAFC, and we'll see who they bring in. Sticking in LA, another in, intra league transfer here. Michael Barrios makes the move from Colorado to the Galaxy uh in return for a super draft pick and up to fifty thousand in general allocation money so the galaxy are getting a proven mls player i just hope for their sake it is uh you know good barrios consistent barrios not bad loses his mind loses his marker barrios and then he can continue to support and help that attack giving them some other options um also within mls jan gregus returns to minnesota uh, from Nashville SC Nashville is going to get 75,000 in GAM and a super draft pick. So uh, Jan Grey Goose, 32 years old. And that's kind of what you're seeing. I don't expect him to be starting for Minnesota right away. Uh, I would expect this to be a depth move for the playoffs, but Hey, who knows the guy knows the league. He knows the organization, Adrian Heath, their manager, I'm sure trusts him uh, in in many, many, if not all situations on the pitch. So maybe he does get some starts, but to me, this looks like a move shoring up defense, getting ready for a playoff push and maybe the biggest name, or at least one of the favorite names from major league soccer, Diego Rossi returning to major league soccer. This time he is coming to the Columbus crew. He comes over from Fenerbahce in Turkey and we kind of Talked about how I like to see guys getting out of Turkey and coming back to MLS or some other European leagues, Um, but we saw what he can do in LAFC. I'm hoping he comes back and is very comfortable with the crew and and in the Eastern Conference this time, but the crew have – I mean, they have to replace – Zella Ryan's offensive production, and a lot of people were saying, Okay, why are we getting Zella getting rid of Zella Ryan? Uh, and why are we just signing Julian Gressel? There's something missing here. Well, this is what was missing. They had this in the works Diego Russi comes to the Columbus crew and hopefully can keep that goal scoring and keep that offense the way it is, top in the league. I still believe. I think they had that title going into League's Cup where they had the most goals scored in M- in MLS. So for the crew, this is an excellent move. Now, unfortunately, I don't think they're going to have time to sign any defense because I think they also have been giving up some of the most goals in MLS, at least relative to their playoff positioning. So I guess the crew are sticking with the, the best defense is a good offense philosophy. And we'll see if it pays off for them in the form of a trophy at the end of the season. Well, with that, Fire fans, Major League Soccer fans, we're going to wrap up today's episode. I would be remiss if I didn't send condolences to the U.S. Women's National Team for their... Uh, round of 16 loss to Sweden. This is the earliest the U S women have ever bowed out of the women's world cup. So there's your little bit of trivia there. They they ended up losing five, four in penalty kicks to Sweden. So whatever narrative that anyone out there wanted to put out there, uh, they're not focused on soccer anymore. They're getting too old. The coach didn't know what he was doing. There was no integration of players, pick your narrative. You, you, there's definitely things you can do for it. Like I said, in the last episode, I'm no U S women's expert, I'm just super bummed that a team as talented, with the history and with uh, you know the expectations of of this women's club, because now they're opening themselves up to all sorts of unfair criticism um, from all the off the field stuff that's been going on. They definitely deserve all the on the field criticism for their underperformances, coaching down to the players, right? Um, but it's just too bad that you that that the tournament is going to miss out and that we're going to miss out continuing to watch this women's team play. So with that, again, I want to thank John Donovan. Thank you to our sponsor, Skira Icelandic Spring Water, available at your local 7-Eleven. Thank you, all of our viewers and listeners. Please make sure you share the podcast, share the show, help us grow, help the sport grow. Let's go fire. We'll see you next time.